Welcome to the All for Inclusion podcast. This is the place where the conversation starts. You will hear plenty of stories on how disability has impacted people from school through to work, the struggles they have faced and how they've overcome them. There will be lots of tips on how businesses, society and people can become more inclusive. Here's your host, Scott Whitney. Welcome to the All for Inclusion pod. Today, I am joined by someone who I've met on Twitter called Dee. Dee, nice to meet you. And do you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? First of all, nice to meet you. I got a little bit about myself. I have a rare condition called Friedrich's ataxia, but I use it in a way that kind of fuels my career, so acting, writing, modelling, I kind of love using disability inclusion into everything like that. Your condition, help me pronounce it, is it did you say it was free great ataxia? Don't worry, but I was diagnosed with no idea. It's called free drinks ataxia. Free drinks ataxia, okay. Yeah. So there's going to be lots of people who are going to be listening yeah. Know what that is. Do you mind describing it for the listeners, please? First of all, don't worry, because neither did I. When I was diagnosed, I was like, what is that? I've never heard of it. It is rare. So 15,000 people have it worldwide. So it's a small number. The way I say it, so it impacts, it's a different cause. So it's not what MS is, but it's very much to do with mobility balance, speech, things like that. So it's MS, but it's slower. But yeah, it's to do with mobility and coordination and balance and speech and like that. So that's how I describe it. People have often heard of it, but they kind of have an idea. Yeah, okay. And how old was you when you were diagnosed with Friedrich's ataxia? I knew something was wrong at 16, but because it was so rare, it took at least... It took three years to get that to get let at least a an ataxia definitive because the taxi was there was like three hundred versions. So yeah. to get it took that we knew it was taxia, but it was finding out which part it was. So I was diagnosed at that nineteen. Okay. And it's a kid to disease. So it's very very rare you get it late onset. But mine obviously showed itself late. And when you was, you said you felt something wrong when you were 16 or felt not wrong, you felt something off at 16. Yeah, yeah. yeah not quite right. And yeah. mentally, how did you feel? Because I know for me, it took two years to get a diagnosis, three years. How was your sort of mental health, your mental well-being during that period? I was scared all the time. I had insane anxiety about, falling, tripping, looking different to other people because I may walk differently or I'm worried about doing things that people wouldn't have a second thought in doing. So I was very anxious all the time, all the time. And I was depressed because obviously I didn't know what was wrong and I thought I was going mad. So I had doctors tell me it's not what it is, but I knew. 
something was wrong. So it was a culmination of all of that. And people listening will, will hear three years. And three years is way too long for a diagnosis. And red people take sort of six, seven years. And it's, I think people don't always understand how long it takes for some yeah. conditions to be diagnosed. So how did it feel then when you got that diagnosis? Because you just said Friedrich's ataxia. I struggled even to pronounce it after you said it <laughs> 20 seconds before. How did it feel when they described it to you? First of all, confusing, because obviously we didn't know, we never heard of it. But it was strange because it, obviously the it, it was a nightmare because the doctor had no bedside manner yeah, at yeah. all. It was very cold and callous, like telling someone that this was going to be their life. And she gave like ultimatums of where I would be in five to ten years, which aren't true because everyone with a taxi was different. So it felt like I was being hit with this kind of, like I said, definitive, thank God, this is going to happen to me and I'm not going to be able to. So it felt very much like the floor was being taken out underneath me. But in a strange sense, it was relieved that I had a name to it, even though the name was complicated and I've never heard of it. But yeah, it was a strange dichotomy of, of happiness, relief, but also at the same time, complete loss. And I didn't know where it was going to be. And I guess when it's something that you've not heard of, once you've been told you've got a condition, whether if it's something you haven't heard of, you've got no kind of founding to yeah. say, yeah, it's this, but... You've... I was told by the nurses not to Google it because apparently the... The what the information is very much this is what's going to happen and it's very scary and I was an idiot and I googled it I then scared myself but yeah it's 100% the condition the symptoms you can get them or you cannot or they'll hit you at different times there is no one size fits all everyone with FA is different they, they move differently and it affects them at different times and it's not, like I said, it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. Yeah. When you've got a condition, you don't know about it. You don't, you don't know about it. You, you know about it because you're living it, but you don't know what the future kind of can, can develop into. And you've not got then anyone to be able to ask because there's so few people in the world who've got it. Yeah. It's a natural thing to Google it. Yeah, and, definitely. And, and surely the, the responsibility should then be on getting better information on online. Yeah. You know, let's I dilute mean, the rubbish with the good. Yeah. I was very lucky that uh, there's like, I don't know if it's four or five, there's a taxi centres, three wide, and Sheffield, where I'm from, is one of them, and it has an taxi specialist units has nurses and a team so you can go to them that with questions but they're not it's not personal because obviously they don't have it so it's they're giving you the info without kind of the personal yeah no lived experience it's all from a textbook yeah so it's like a postcode lottery like with myself with fnd i'm in manchester but manchester doesn't have the great fnd center but yeah 
if I was in Bristol or I think there's one in Leeds, if I'm in those places, the treatment would look a lot different for me than it yeah. does where I am. That's why I'm very lucky because yeah. obviously Sheffield has that unit and that place I can call or just go to. Like every year I'll have a checkup with them and that is something that maybe other people won't even around the world. That they may not have the same facilities that I do. Yeah, yeah. So we was talking a little bit before we, we started, and I think wrongly, very wrongly, some people hear about conditions that might be, and they think that stops you from being able to do things. However, you've mm. then gone on to university yeah. And done very well at university. Do you mind just explaining to the listeners, A, what you've achieved at university, but B, also, what was university like for you? Obviously, I've got an undergraduate degree in creative writing with honours. So it was like more modules to get the with honours thing, I think. I graduated that and then I went on to do a postgraduate in psychology and that was meant to be a year but COVID happened, and it was two years. And I was at Sheffield Hallam University, and I did, I was at the, there's two campuses. So for creative writing, I was at City, and then I was at Collegiate for the postgraduate in psychology. And honestly, they were incredible. They were really understanding. They have a disability team that you can go to and talk to. And they made sure I had everything. So much so, they put me to a disability benefit system that the university offers. They have a, all universities offer it, it's national. And they gave me a car service, not a taxi service, a private car service that would pick me up and take me anytime to any campus and they were absolutely amazing and I couldn't thank them enough. That's excellent to hear because I speak to people and they say sometimes at university they may fall between some of the gaps and I think it's really good to hear that balance, that other side to say that some unis are really providing that top service. That Yeah, on, on days that I couldn't get in because I was run down or I was dealing with symptoms I emailed them and they understood and they were incredible they really were excellent now we we have a partner podcast called the purple pound show and I'm recording an episode of that tomorrow and it's all about recruitment so what does recruitment and job seeking look like for you for me first of all I am in a generic field I'm in Acting, modelling, writing. But unfortunately, it revolves around look. That is like how you get recognised or you get... You've got to have headshots. They've got to see you. So, obviously, I made sure my headshots were involved in a wheelchair and I made sure I disclosed that. And I think because now diversity is so important and people want diversity, that... It's become a wanted thing, and they want more people involved in that, which I'm very lucky out it's fallen at the right time for me. But it, it's like showing that you still can do these things 
with the disability. And yeah, it's very look associated uh, and physical, but the physical can look whatever that I want it to look like. And happily, that's I'm too sub- stubborn to let the industry define me. So recruitment to me is however I want it to be. Yeah. And that that's how it that's how it should be. There's a yeah. you've used the word stubborn and yeah, resilient keeps the fact that you keep going. We shouldn't have to be stubborn. It should be it, it should be the same whether you're able bodied or you're yeah. disabled and accessibility sh- should be the same. Should always be there, but unfortunately, it's not the world we. No, quite, quite agree there. So, socially, then, how did university look socially for you? It. I'm not a partier or a drinker, so that was like not my thing. And I lived at home. I had friends, obviously. It wasn't really a big thing for me, the social aspect. So I guess it. it through no fault of disability, just my own. It wasn't something that I was interested in. But I guess that listening to that, socially, it worked for, for D. It, you got yeah. what you wanted to, which some people want the opposite. They want to be out every night and dancing until all hours in the morning. And, yeah. and some people just want to be able to pick up. Give me a phone. good book. Give me a good book, a glass of wine, and I'm happy. I don't need to go drinking. I'm okay. <laughs> Excellent. So, what books do you like to read? Because I've been having creative writing. I'm sure oh, you've God. got an eclectic book. Yeah. I love things to do with like elves and wizards and witches. And I go to all of that. But I also love like su- the supernatural aspect of things. I love real life fiction but it uses real life issues so like holly bourne is incredible author for doing that i don't know i have a cat that i named scout after to kill mockingbird but if that gives anything away for i go towards i don't know i just think i love reading and i think it opens it opens worlds so i always like to see how vast the world can go yeah I don't know how it is for your condition, but with my condition, I can be in lots of pain at different times. And if I'm in pain, that can then impact my mental health, my sort of well-being. And what I like to do is I like to then pick up a book and that takes, in my head, it takes me away completely. Is that similar for yourself? Very, very. I think as well, if you're having a bad day, it could be health-wise, mental health-wise, physical-wise, whatever. Picking up a book for me just allows it all to kind of dissolve. Or going into a TV show and just allowing no thought, no, nothing else. And I think it's a good tool for that because it just allows you to have not think or overthink, which I'm very good at doing. And uh, so what other strategies have you uh, have you come up with or work for you? It's going to sound really straightforward, but I think the main strategy that I have is one step at a time. Don't rush it because if you rush it, you're going to hurt yourself. So take it slow and also listen to your body. If your body is telling you we can't do it, accept it. 
because it's mean that it won't last forever. But understand that here and now you're gonna hurt yourself if you push it. So it's just they're like I go by just step by step, slow and steady, and listen to your body. So we talked then a couple of positives, but I know you face some negatives as well. What do you want to just speak about? A couple of examples that that you've faced either recently or some that have really stuck yeah. with you? I think all the one negative that's stuck with me came from a friend who I was friends with for eight years. She was, I would have considered her best friend, close. And she was getting and that was exciting. And she, first of all, wanted me to walk down the aisle in heels, unaided. So no walker, no cane, no nothing. And then when I told her I was going to be in a wheelchair because it was better for me, less nerves or issues, she didn't like that. And she was like, can't you stand? It's my wedding day. And just made it out that it was a be-all and end-all. And that kind of stuck with me because that person is ableist and I don't want them around. So I cut her off and I was done. But it did hurt. Yeah, no, I can imagine, you know, it's not often I'm lost for words, but it's one of the the kind of things hearing that I am lost for words in the sense that what is the equivalent to try to make people understand who haven't got a health condition could be, I want to go on holiday with you to America, but I want you to fly like Superman. Yeah, exactly. It's and then she turned it around when I was like, "Hang on a minute, I can't do that." And she turned around and through. It's not how people have disabilities have they see it and basically saying it's my fault and I'm giving up. Which going in, in into a wheelchair or using an aid is not giving up. No, at all. So I was like, "Yeah, I'm done. I couldn't." Yeah. And you kind of say about some people that I've spoken with who, who who believe that things can be overcome by positive mental attitude. Let's read this book. And then yeah. after you've read this book, you'll be healed. There's a difference between a pure injury. There's a difference between an injury and an illness. There's differences between every disability. And I'm not going to say... There is not a single person who's got a disability who hasn't reached a point where they've given up. But that isn't every person I speak with seem to be fighting every single day yeah. to, to keep going. And, yep. and I find when people speak to me and say, yeah, read this book, listen to what this guy said, it's hard to then... Yeah. I almost just ignore the conversation and move on because it's... Yeah, I think what the saddest thing as well is she saw me at my lowest, so obviously when I was diagnosed, I give up. I think it's it. you've got to overcome it yourself. There is no other, no book will fix it, no nothing will fix it. You've got to do it yourself. And she saw me at my lowest, and then this was getting everything back on track. And like being okay with it. 
and just dashed it. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So I, if we was if we were looking and going, we've got one fix that we want to put into to society as a whole, and you had that power. What would you do? Equity, equity, not equality, equity. So understand that everything needs to be accessible for everyone. And if it isn't, then it's not equity, it's not equality. Hey, equity, equality, two completely different things. Yep. But does everyone see it that way? No, no. People, I think people think you give everyone equality and that's fine. But it's like, hang on a minute. If you give an able-bodied person a ladder, they can climb it. But if you give a disabled person who's paralysed a ladder, they can't do it. So you're giving them the same thing to get to the same place, but they can't do that. So give the able-bodied person a ladder and the disabled person a ramp. They get to the same place at the same time and they meet the needs that each other needs. That's equity. And that is so important to have. And that's that's a great way of a great way of explaining it. Because using a ramp towards the equivalent of you climbing stairs, it's not any easier. It, it, it just benefits us the way stairs benefit you. Yeah, it's ridiculous when they say we have it easy. It's like we really don't. But okay. Yeah. And for me, going back to uh, to the Purple Pound show, which we're recording tomorrow, which will be out before this episode comes out. But when people say you've got it, when people who are disabled have got it easy, but there's so many disabled people who want jobs. There's so many businesses that are yeah. crying out for staff, yet if you're not considering 20% of the population, you're saying you don't want 20% of the talent. And in that 20% of the population, there will be people for your business that are extremely talented. There will also be people for your business who won't be so talented, but they those people will be talented for a different business. I think that's what people need to understand, and they don't. With jobs for disabled people, I think companies are... And I'm not siding with them, but I think they're scared because they're uneducated. They don't understand the ins and outs and nuances of disability. So they're scared that they'll get it wrong and get a lawsuit against them or something, which I think that is the problem. It comes from education. Educate the company and then they're more likely to employ disabled people because they're okay with it and they're comfortable. I completely agree with you. So how do we overcome that? It's a really, really simple solution. You get the CEOs or the tops to have a lesson. Get hire a disability team that goes to companies and just talk to them for a day. Talk them through the process and how disability is different, but you can work around it. Educate them and then they're less likely to be scared of it. You're scared of what you don't know. So educate and then they do know and they won't be scared. If someone is diagnosed with any sort of form of ataxia, what advice would you have for them? Find the community. Find the ataxia community online, and there are. And just let yourself feel your emotions. Let yourself feel the loss of your old self and let, you know, accept the new self. And except that everyone's different. Excellent. And then finally, 
if you could give one piece of advice to a hiring manager, what would that be? Educate yourself. There are many disability education systems, even on Google. Look, You can look into it and educate yourself, or you can hire people and they can do it for you. If you're not, if you're not doing it, you're part of the problem, and that is something we have to stop. It's just education. Again, completely agree with that. So thank you. Thank you very much for coming along. Thank um, you for having me. It's been great. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Join us again in a fortnight's time. We'll have Alex Winstonley, who will be joining us in, in two weeks. So thank you so much for listening. And Dee, once again, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Cool. Thank you for listening to the All for Inclusion podcast. We'd love you to subscribe and to help other podcast listeners find us more easily. Please leave us a five-star rating and a review. And of course, feel free to pass the pod by sharing it with your family and friends. Remember, the podcast is available every Wednesday and keep an eye out for additional bonus episodes. See you next time on the All for Inclusion podcast.